Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to a very special Star Wars edition of SFP Now um, as a, a prelude to um, the shortly to be released Star Wars, um, oh sorry, Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, I'm joined by um, my good friend uh, Patrick Hayes, uh, who's a, a Star Wars aficionado to the point of where he's read every single book, comic and uh, seen every t- TV series. So welcome back, Pat. Hi, thanks for having me back. Oh, it's great having you. I mean, it's all like um, it's always great to be able to bow, bow to your expertise in Star Wars because you know, as you know, I just watch the films and the animated shows, and that's about it. <laughs> After that introduction, you need to add and has no personal life whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I should. I think should add that bit. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but but that said, you know, to be fair, you've probably got more of a personal life than I have, <laughs> <laughs> because you know I'm obsessed with everything else. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, um, so we got we got Star Wars, um, we got Solo, sorry, uh, Star Wars story coming up. But before we get to that, should we sort of like just kind of like uh, recap on a few things because. Um, Recently, as in you know, late last month, or is it late this month? The uh, the 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 eighth Star Wars movie in in the canon was released on on Blu-ray and DVD and all that. That's right. And uh, did you did you get yourself a copy in the end, or did you not bother? I I did not buy myself a copy. This is the second Star Wars movie I'm not buying. I didn't buy Rogue One, and I'm not buying a copy of the Last Jedi. And it's not because I hated either movie. It just neither one had much in it for me. So I, I paid to see both in the theater twice. But um, I walked away going, this is not something I would want to watch on repeat viewing, sadly. Yeah, I, I kind of picked it up uh, for the repeat viewing. I've got to admit, I've not watched it as many times as I watched uh, the original trilogy. And don't think I will watch it as many times as the original trilogy. Of films, um, I probably watched um, I probably watched Force Awakens more times than I've rewatched this. Yeah, I've uh, I purchased a copy of the Force uh, Force Awakens. I saw that I've seen it several times in the theaters. Watched it several times at home. It's been on cable to death here in the United States for over a year, 
So mm-hmm. I've watched it anytime it's on pretty much, but I just, I couldn't get bite into enough of the last Jedi for me to give it repeat viewings. I like parts of the movie, but there are other parts where I just, I can't get into it. I just, I just don't care. Basically. Yeah, such as the um, Finn and Rose sub story nine where they go off to the planet and, and um, also the, uh, oh, we're being chased by the uh, first order. Even though, yeah. even though the first order could actually whip around and fly us off, fly, fly around and cut us off at the other end and destroy us. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, I, I had a hard part with that. You have to admit, in the original trilogy, I think the Empire. Can you imagine the Emperor going, "No, no, we'll go really slow and just let them wear out," or Darth Vader going, "Let's take our time. We'll no. get to. They'll run out of gas eventually." No, Give I mean, me a break. The Empire would go in and just blow the tar out of them. End of story. They're not going to wait for anything. So it just drug out the story. Wait. It was personally, I just think that it's a badly written movie. It, yeah, you know, I, I agree. I mean, you know, that that song, I that just didn't make any logical sense whatsoever. That you no. know, that whole chase sequence, which must have been the slowest space chase in history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and Rose and Finn, I I like both characters. I thought Rose was a fine addition, but what the story has them do is pointless. You can edit them out of the movie, and you still come to the same conclusion. They don't do anything, and Finn's character has a minor build at the end when he finally realizes he's a rebel, but Rose does nothing, Mm -hmm. really, except pine away for Finn. So I I was disappointed with what the story had her do as well. Yeah, I loved what they did with Luke Skywalker at the end when he, you know, had that last moment with Leia. It was kind of like uh, full circle in a way because if you think about yeah. it, the way they first meet, Luke first sees Leia as a holographic projection, and you know their last meeting is Leia seeing him as an astral projection. It kind of makes sense. It's got a nice sort of like symmetry to it. Yeah, and also Luke gave in to the Force at the end and disappeared, just like Ben did before Darth Vader cut him down on the Death Star. Yeah, but true, but did he, did he disappear with the Force in the end? Because when, when, his, when his rags dropped to the ground and stuff like that, his robotic hand didn't. Yeah, but I, I think there's, I mean, they could bring him back as a uh, Force ghost quite easily, because he did tell Kylo, if you strike me down, I'm going to haunt you. And I would, mm-hmm. I would love to see Kylo driven insane by Mark Hamill constantly going, hey, what you doing? What you doing, Kylo? Hey, what you doing? Yeah. And just nagging him to death would be outstanding. They, they should do it like a cartoon series like we discussed last time. Have, have a Luke on one, shoulder, one side of his shoulder <laughs> and have Snoke on the other side of his shoulder like the old cartoons. <laughs> right. <laughs> see, I, I would, that's real corny, but I hate to admit it, I wouldn't mind seeing that. <laughs> Um, but moving on to moving on to song like uh, other things, uh, what's been going in the comics of late? Because I've not really caught up yet. I've still got about right. five, fifteen issues to catch up on. Yeah, the uh, comic books have had a lot going on lately, and it's been interesting because they've been focusing on uh, the homeworld of the Mon Calamari and the Quarren, the uh, water, the two big water races in Star Wars. And um, in Star Wars, they're focusing on reestablish well on uh, trying to get help from the Mon Calamari who are on the planet to uh, help the Rebellion fight against the Empire, but they're not going along with it so far, so they're going to have to turn them around. In the Darth Vader series, which takes place between Episode 3 and 4, they just had, and this is a spoiler if you haven't read Darth Vader 14, um, 
they just had the empire launch a full-scale attack on the uh, surface cities and the king of the Mon Calamari basically said, that's it, let's take them all out. So he released some creatures and has destroyed the entire surface area. It's gone. Cool. Do you think they'll... And um, the issue ended with Darth Vader on one of those cities being sucked underwater and falling down like Ed Harris in the abyss. We don't know where he's going, but it's going to be very dark. Oh, dear me. Well, you know, so like, um, at least he won't be spotted. No. No. And what's really interesting is that it's been revealed that the Monclamari were hiding a cache of Jedi there. Oh, wow. And the head Jedi has just told his students, which was very, very interesting. Um, yeah, that's not Darth Vader. That's Anakin Skywalker. Let me tell you all the terrible stuff he did to us. <laughs> so we have the secret of Darth Vader's true identity possibly spilling out among other people here if these Jedi get away from the planet. I still can't get old over the fact that George Lucas named an alien race after Kangamari. It's just so... Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to make a deadline. you got to do something. Yeah. The worst has got to be uh, Jabba the Hutt's um, head guy, Bib Fortuna. Sounds mm-hmm. like he's at a sloppy restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, the Gamoranian guards. Yeah, you know, um, I I I loved those Gamoranian guards. I remember I used to collect all the Star Wars action figures when I was a kid, and I had oh, yeah. everything between the original Star Wars movie and Return of the Jedi. And um, you know, I had the Rebel transport. I had Luke's land speeder, the X-wing, Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. I had the uh, the Tauntaun, and yep. the speeder bikes, and Dagobah and Yoda. You know, I I had all the play sets, including the Death Star play set, which was awesome. Oh yeah! And you know, you're gonna you're gonna hit me through the screen, Patrick, because um, I ended up having to sell it all in order to put money towards my first computer. Oh my goodness! Yep. And I just saw like uh, I think back and, and think now, God, I used to love used to get hours of fun playing with them. I used to set them up in like uh, like soldiers in intricate oh, like, yeah. ornamental settings and. I, I just saw, like, think back and think, damn, they'd be worth thousands now. Yep, yep. If we hadn't taken them out of the boxes and put all those stickers on them and beat the tar out of each other with them. Yeah, I didn't put any stickers on them, and uh, they were all in immaculate condition. They're out of the boxes, oh. but they're all in immaculate condition. Um, so, so they probably would have been worth a fortune still. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, especially that Death Star, <laughs> because he only yeah. did so many of them. Yeah, matter of fact, I had that when I was a little kid too, with that little trash compactor in there, the little foam pieces. Oh yeah, you know, so I can the um, you you had the, um, the the door pop open as it came yep. out, and um, the uh, you had the prison cell. Um, you had the little sort of like pivoting thing on top with the guns. The gun turret. Yeah. And had a little rope for Luke to swing on there across mm-hmm. the little chasm. Yeah, I also had the Millennium Falcon playset. Yep. That was awesome. With the little smuggling compartment where you couldn't really fit more than two figures in it. Which yeah. <laughs> Put Chewie in there and there's no space left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, I wish I kept all that. Yeah, I still have I still have my original figures. I even got them in the case still and all that. They're really good, but I took them out of the box. But I, I couldn't part with them. I'll probably be buried with them. Yeah, well, you know, I we didn't have very much money growing up sort of thing, and I, I ended up having to sell them to put money toward my computer. 
So right. it wasn't by, it wasn't necessarily by choice. It was more by case of circumstances, really. Right. Um, it's like on my 18th birthday, um, because we didn't have that much money, I ended up paying half towards my bike, which was my 18th uh-huh. birthday present. So, um, but this is the way things were uh, back then. Um, but so getting on to uh, Han Solo, um, there's a series of books which it looks like they're borrowing a lot from for, for, for this film. Uh, so called Star Wars story, and I'm just wondering if you uh, if you could remember the trilogy of books that you know. Yeah, they were the uh, the Brian Daly books are the ones you're talking about. That's that's the original trilogy they did, and um, there are a couple characters that seem very familiar that are going to appear in the movie that are um, based from uh, characters in those books. And uh, digging around online, I found two that sound very familiar. Um, the first one is a character named Tobias Beckett, which is going to be played by Woody Harrelson in the film. And this is going to be like Han Solo's mentor, the one that really gets him into the smuggling game and kind of becomes a, uh, a father figure towards him. Cool. Yeah. And he's he's kind of like a guy who's he's, he's a criminal, small time basis. He's always looking for the big payoff and hasn't really had an opportunity for a big score until now. So he decides to bring Han Solo in on the deal and introduces him to uh, a smuggler's den of uh, nefarious characters. I wonder if they'll have Jan Solo in it. You know, like the, uh, the, the what's the name now? The His wife that was introduced in the comics. Right. I think this is going to be a little too early for his wife to be in this, although she could definitely be hinted at. It seems like he's going to be meeting up with a lot of different characters, if even only for cameos. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see this woman show up that supposedly he married simply for part of a deal. Um, As far as I can tell from the comics, there was never any uh, romantic interactions between them. It was just done on paper to get them in on some type of scam, which mm-hmm. was basically thrown apart once the deal fell through. Yeah, I remember reading the comic, uh, the the the, com- the editions of the comic when they introduced her, and I was just wetting myself laughing because oh, like it was kind of like her dialogue and her interactions between him and Leia were just so oh, funny. Yeah. You know, g- given that. Yeah, that, was, that was- perfect hand solo moment with you could just i could hear harrison ford's voice going no baby it's not me no i'm not that type of guy well yeah i married her but it was not not like you think <laughs> yeah. trying to talk his smooth talk his way out of something yeah i mean you know han solo as you know he's he's my favorite character from the star wars movies you know i i never really had much love for luke skywalker because he was sort of like a two you know, because at the time he was too sort of like naive, too fanboy. I I kind of gravitated more towards a more cynical smuggler. Right, and and Han Solo's got some some great lines. He's got some great moments. I mean, he's got the big moment in um, the Force Awakens. His uh, death scene is pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested to see what this new actor, um, Alden. Um, geez, I'm going to butcher his name. Aaron Rich is going to do with the character since he's supposed to be much younger and um, not as smooth as the Han Solo we're used to see. Mm-hmm. How, how long is this before the new hold, you reckon? Probably about 10 years? I'm going to say it's at least 10 years. That sounds about right to me. Oh, because it's, um, you know, I've, 
I've seen the trailers and I'm I'm quite excited for it. Yeah, I um when I first saw the first uh, teaser trailers, I got to admit I wasn't too excited about it, but this last trailer that came out within the last week really impressed me and I was like, okay, now I'm actually excited to see this movie. I mean, I was going to see it regardless, but now I'm like, okay, I could I could see myself going for opening night to go see it. This has me pretty hyped up. Yeah, I'll probably see it on opening day. Um, because I normally uh with the Star Wars films, I don't go, I don't go, go, go at midnight like you. I usually go for the matinee performance on the day that it's released. Right. I'm. Uh, I want to get out before the spoilers. Um, I don't know if I've been better. Or the internet's been a little better. There haven't been uh, spoilers. Even I mean, outside of character names, there haven't been a lot of spoilers for this one, like there have been in previous movies. Yeah, I think it's because they're getting better at so like, um, you know, hiding them. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting um, to see how how things go with J.J. Abrams in in the next one. Uh, you know, yeah, given... I think that's going to be a huge change for the uh, the tone set in the last movie. Um, just because Rian Johnson, the writer and director of um, the Last Jedi, really tried to change things up, and J.J. seems more like a traditional Star Wars fan in writing and directing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly pleased with them. Um, pleasantly pleased. That's a great phrase. I'm, I'm pretty happy with, uh, JJ Abrams returning to do the final part in that trilogy. I, I'm happy, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to retread of return of Jedi. I don't want more Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> How about Porgs? Would you settle for more Porgs? No. Um, that, you know, they, they kind of taste like chicken. <laughs> yeah. You know, see, so, you might actually get that in the next movie. You'll see some porgs getting eaten. <laughs> we already have. Though, didn't yeah, we, no, know? they were just roasting. He was roasting one. We didn't see him take a bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, that was probably one of the more charming bits of me where Chewie growls at them all and they all run off and there's that one yeah. brave one that sticks around. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm hoping in this uh, in the new movie, in the Solo movie, since this is obviously, it's obviously going to be when uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca meet for the first time. And um, according to all the books, comics, and novels, um, Han saw him as a, a slave because all the Wookiees were put as slaves, captured by the Empire as slaves. And so he frees him when he sees Chewie's about to be killed, and that's when Chewie uh, creates this life debt with him and their buddy-buddy forever. So I'm hoping to see Chewie be a little more, since this is a younger Wookiee, even though I guess in the trailer he said he's, what, 190 something mm -hmm. there's a there's a throwaway line where he goes well you're not old and chewy like growls something and hand goes 194 you look great so i'm, <laughs> I'm hoping to see chewy be a little more active and i really hope there's nothing i would love to see more in this movie and it would fit in with all most other star wars movies if we get to see chewy rip somebody's arm out of their socket yeah you know so i, I think they should actually have a standard uh imperial guard in there called oh, uh, yeah. Captain Ryan Johnson and have Chewie rip his arm. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll go that far. But um, I could definitely see once he's freed by hand taking some retribution out on the guards and ripping out a stormtrooper's arm or two. That would be... I, I would stand and applaud that in a movie if I saw it because that would be great. What I want to see is I want them to... I want to see how... I want them to spend a bit of time with with Han when he's, when, when he's with the Empire... I want them to spend a bit of time on that because that song I could, if they only saw a hint at that, I'll give it for a few, few for, for for two, three minutes, and then he then he quits. I won't feel that invested in it. So they've got to at least give him song like ten, ten to fifteen minutes 
as as a stormtrooper or whatever for me to be able right. to get invested in it. I'm I'm thinking just based on everything that's gone before with him, he's an exceptional pilot. So they got to put him in the piloting program. And I have a feeling that when he's going in for training, he'll be a little cocky, a little naive. And I think he'll be completely into it because it's going to give his life direction being in the military service like that. And that's when he's going to see the horrible underbelly of the Empire. And it could be possibly seeing Chewbacca and the other Wookiees being mistreated so poorly that triggers him to leave the Empire. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the way I'd actually think it, think it should go to be honest, but I'm just wondering how much time we'll get of him working with the Empire before that happens, you know? Yeah, because... I'm, I'm hoping they show him um, really fitting in. That would be kind of neat to see, um, simply because you don't expect a hero to be essentially working for Nazis, and to see him discovering how horrible this is, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping we get to see him finding peace compared to his young life of being like a street rat, like Aladdin running around fending for himself, um, fitting in. I'm, I'm hoping for at least a good 15 minutes at least. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, that, that's the reason Finn worked, because we had, a, we had at least 15 minutes of Finn as a stormtrooper. Right, you know? right. And we got that full arc to watch him, even with the helmet on, realize, wait, this isn't right, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. And that opening sequence was a great uh, defining um moment and introduction for the character to the audience realizing here's a stormtrooper that doesn't completely believe in what he's doing yeah. and he takes off and that that's partly why the uh, why why the second film was so disappointing because you know it started started with finn he meets rose when he's trying to run away <laughs> yeah he it, it basically threw away everything from the the first movie going okay i'm running off again you know that, that that's 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 sort of like one of the biggest disappointments in 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 the um in, in the second movie, you know, where, whereas many fans will say, well, you know, Luke Skywalker doing doing a Walt White was the sort of like worst thing that could have happened. Right. You know, him him, him exiling himself and giving up the Force and becoming a meth dealer to those alien species, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I was more disappointed with, with, with that those, those sort of things, the way, the way Thing was treated, really. I just think, you know... We had this character that was set up in in the first film, and then, you know, in in the second film, they they didn't really treat him as well. No, and the audience went in with high expectations, given all the comic book adventures and novel expanded universe stuff of what to expect from Luke. So I'll I'll give Johnson that at least he he made it surprising for the viewer to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but having Luke be really crumudgeony. Um, reminded me very much of Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back because when Luke first encountered him, encountered him, uh, Yoda was just playing him to see what type of person he was. I mean, with that, with the funny Yoda voice, and or should I say, funnier Yoda voice, and uh, playing an imbecile to Luke in, in front of Luke and R two, until he finally revealed himself, saying he's too old, I can't train him. It was very much like uh, like Yoda in um, The Last Jedi, with Luke saying to Rey, "Get out of here! I'm not going to train you. Get out." And him finally doing so. Mm-hmm. I know she didn't get much training, Greg, didn't she? <laughs> nope, nope. And I've read a lot of stuff online where people are like, well, that moment when she touched Kylo Ren, she, she touched his mind, and now she has all his fighting abilities. And I'm like, if it was, if that's the case, they should have said that in the movie because mm-hmm. it didn't translate that way. You know, you know. to be honest, I would have loved to have seen a train and fail a few times because yeah, the first movie, yeah, she was and, a bit of a Mary and we didn't get that. 
You know, she was a bit of a Mary Sue in the first movie. As in, she seems well, to be she didn't bother me in the first movie. I mean, her, her, <coughs> her character growth pretty much mirrored what Luke's was in um, the original Star Wars. So it, she didn't bother. She she was my favorite character out of the uh, the Force Awakens. I loved Ray. She was outstanding. Second one, um, she's just really determined, and she goes on a couple journeys, and they just don't make sense. Mm-hmm. But she was she was the high point of the movie for me. Her, Luke, and Kylo were the three characters. Anytime they're on the screen, I was very happy. Yep. But with the uh, back with the Han Solo thing, um, I'm just wondering if this is any good and if it proves to be successful, if they might do another one. Yeah, it seems like they've done that. They've cast pretty young actors. I mean, um, I'm going to bet, and I don't know, I haven't read anything online, I'm going to bet that Woody Harrelson's character dies in about the last 45 minutes of the movie, so that way Han can go off on his own. Um, obviously, we have Lando Calrissian in this movie, Mm-hmm. Played by uh, Donald Glover, which uh, is good casting in my opinion, and just about everybody who's a Star Wars fan agrees is good casting. Well, He's obviously going to pick up the Millennium Falcon in this episode, in this movie, this episode, in this movie, and Chewbacca is going to be around. So I mean, the movie's going to end with the two of them taking off on the Falcon, and the sky's the limit for adventures at that point. Yeah, I think what we'll have is we'll have Han and Chewie take off with the, with the Falcon, and we'll have that scene. At the end, where he gets his dice and he hangs them on the on on, you know, on the on on field and and fly off, you know, because I, I think they'll use those dice to tie it in with the other films. Yeah, Although, that, that would that would be good. I'd be for that. I'm kind of hoping though that him and Chewie are looking to make a score, and he goes, uh, "We got to figure out a way to get some credits." I, I know this hut that lives on Tatooine. Maybe we could go there and see if we can get a job or two for this guy named Jabba. Mm-hmm. And that, that ties him into them. And it it shows how his downfall is. He's looking for the easy credit or whatever. Yeah, I mean... Because I've, I've even read that people have said that they think that uh, Boba Fett will make a cameo. And he'd be the right age at this point to be in the armor. And I'm like, no, nah, it's too soon for Boba Fett. Let that let that one lay around for a sequel or something. Well, I'm under talking about doing a Boba Fett movie. I've heard Boba. I know the fans are screaming for a Boba Fett movie and a Darth Vader solo movie. And um, I would rather have a Darth Vader movie than a Boba Fett movie. But again, it's Star Wars. I'll go see it no matter what. I think I'd um, rather have a Boba Fett movie because we've already had six Darth Vader movies and he popped up in Rogue One. Right, right. And the scene that everybody talks about from Rogue One is that ending with Darth Vader. And that wasn't even part of the original cut that got added in later. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that final that, that, that final moment where he saw like takes over the ship and everything, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, I was Rogue One was eh, it was okay to me, but when I saw the ending, I went, "That's the movie I want to see." Yeah, I mean, I think it. You know, I I actually quite liked Rogue One, and I've watched it watched it a few times, and I kind of when I watched it, I watched it more from the point of view of it's a war movie. It's Star Wars. It's set in the Star Wars universe, but they're kind of doing the guns of Navarone, or right. or, um, or or a bridge too far, or, or something like that. Right. And, and that you know, because I like Cold War movies, I kind of gravitated to it because I've got where the director was going with it. I guess. Right. And it- and, and it is a war movie. I mean, it works in that. But for me, the characters, I just didn't have any character to latch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a quick five minutes, and after about the first, before um, the Death Star is first used on um, Jakku, I thought, okay, this is going to end with everybody dying. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. And I went, 
okay, they'll, they'll transfer the plans. And I was more of the mind of, okay, just do it already. Transfer the plans so we can move on with the story. And I, I didn't have anybody to hold on to for a character. I couldn't get into the characters again. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, it could have done with being 15 minutes shorter, maybe. Because um, it yeah. dragged that final part out, and with, you know, with the transfer and Death Star plans. And as far as characters gravitate onto, I mean, they were kind of not particularly likable characters. I'll give you it that. wasn't even likable for me. It was just interesting. I just went, okay, here's this type, here's this type, here's this type. It's, it was it was cookie cutter for me. Mm. I actually liked I liked the two the two two characters that were sort of like uh, the 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 great gray area of the force the you know the the force sensitive but they weren't Jedi. Right. And I would have liked to have seen more done with those two characters because I think those two had real potential. Right, mm. right. And here's what I tell people who are who are fans of the film, or I ask people who are fans of the film. I go. Tell me those characters' names. You can't remember their names. I can look them up on IMDb. <laughs> there you go. See, see, and I'm and I'm supposedly the one who's like the diehard Star Wars fan. And outside of uh, Gen Esro, I can't remember any of the characters' names. And I'm like, what does that tell you? If you can't remember the characters' names, I'm like, they're just they're they don't. Ha- I can tell you the the type, what they look like, um, where their characters fit in, um, but. There's there was nothing for me in them, and yet I didn't particularly yeah. enjoy the uh, prequel trilogy. But I can name characters off that, you know, Mace Windu, um, right. you know, Yoda, obviously, um, Anakin, Padme, um, right. and, you know, Ben Kenobi. Right. And, uh, Come on, but, you know you want to say Jar Jar. You can't forget Jar Jar. I, I, I I've got to deliberately forget Jar Jar because he's so like he's kind of like. Um, you know, see, there were there were so many new characters in that though, but they struck a chord, even though they were types and they were barely the the Jedi characters. Just because they're, it's so interesting for Knights of the Round Table. People remember Knights of the Round Table. Same thing, you remember Knights and the Jedi Council. I could go Kit Fistu, Kaya Munde, Mace Windu. They're just they're just interesting. They're entertaining, not mm-hmm. just for their visuals, but for what they represent and. I didn't get that type of buy-in for me in uh, Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still wondering, did Mace Windu actually die? <laughs> See, there's there's a rumor he didn't survive. I mean, you had Darth Maul get cut in half in The Force Awake, in, uh, Force, in The Phantom Menace, and they brought him back in the comic books, and they brought him back in TV for uh, Rebels. Yeah, Snoke could make a comeback. And he, was, and he was great. He was a great character. Mm. Which means Snoke could possibly make a comeback. Yeah, see, I've heard that too. Snoke would come back as a um, a Force ghost to continue to direct um, Kylo Ren, which is possible. I mean, if you can have um, heroes come back as Force ghosts, why couldn't you have villains come back in the films? It make it does make sense. What if Snoke is more like some sort of alien entity that just transfers from host to host, and over a period of time, the host body decays? I've read that too. He's like a parasite where he can transfer from one character to another. And he was grooming Kylo Ren to contain his essence, essentially, which I mean, it could be. But um, I think after this last movie, they're done with Snow. He's out. It was just to establish Kylo now in control of the First Order. Mm-hmm. And yet there's, there's so many people that are invested in Snoke. I kind of laughed when he died, to be honest. I thought, oh my God, there's going to be a right shitstorm on the internet when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, uh, I, w- I was happily, I went into the movie not knowing anything about what would happen with him. So when it happened in the movie, I was like, okay, wow, that's different. That was completely unexpected. Now what's going to happen? Because this changes everything. And, and it did. It changed the First Order very well. I especially liked when uh, General Huck showed up and said to uh, Kylo, what do you mean you're in charge? And Kylo instantly force chokes him like Vader and says, Who, who's in charge of this? Okay, you're in charge. You're in charge. <laughs> I like. I enjoyed that. I thought that was good. Yeah, I think they need to do more force choking. Yeah, which is which is going to be interesting for this movie because, like you were saying, Rogue One is essentially a war movie. Then we have the the trilogies, which are rolling out as a traditional epic fantasy sci fi tale. Um, this movie Solo that's coming out looks to be like a uh, a gangster movie, like an Ocean's Eleven type of setup. Yeah, kind of a Ocean's Eleven combined with a western. Yeah, and I think that's really intriguing. We haven't seen that done as a full-blown movie. They they kind of touched on it in some of the cartoons. But um, I think as a movie, this is going to be really interesting just for changing it up like that. I mean, some some of the way it was shot from the trainers I've seen reminds me of Firefly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It looks it looks low budget in that way, but also high budget with its ideals, what it's going for. Yeah, plus we've got Ron Howard directing it, you know, which um, has taken up, um, up up in my estimation because I love Ron Howard's films. Yeah, I think that was really smart by Lucasfilm when they uh, bumped the other two directors, whether they were let go, fired, or chose to leave. Um, Ron Howard's a really reliable director. He knows how to handle special effects, and he can tell stories. So I think he's a really good choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just I generally love his films. I mean, I've seen quite a lot of his films, Um uh, you know, Cinderella, Cinderella Man's one that I continually watch over and over again, quite easily. It's so so well well, well filmed, and the cinematography is beautiful. The characters are fantastic, and the acting's brilliant, and it's just so well directed. Yeah. And he can also do, um, which hasn't been brought up a lot. He can also do comedy. I know one of the complaints of Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm was that the two guys who were directing Solo were filming this like they were doing a comedy. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was really nervous. I thought, what the hell are they doing to my franchise? This is not supposed to be. You can have comedy in the movie, but I'm looking more for adventure and storytelling. So when I heard that Ron Howard was coming in, he um, he directed the movie Splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. And that's one of my favorite movies of the 1980s. And that movie had great heart and great humor. And um, he can he can handle it well. There are, um, I don't know if you're aware, there are two comic book characters called um, Tag and Binks mm-hmm. who pop up, who popped up in the Darth in the uh, Dark Horse comic book line. And these are basically two, it's like Abbott and Costello appearing in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, almost like Forrest Gump popping up in famous situations. They're actually in the solo movie. They put them in there. Oh, wow. Cool. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, they're incorporated into the story without stealing too much. I guarantee if anybody's listening to this podcast, you will know if there is a Star Wars fan in the audience. When Tag and Bink show up, you're going to hear a bunch of people laughing, but probably not the entire theater. You're going to be able to go right away, that person's a Star Wars fan, that person's a Star Wars fan, they know who <laughs> Tag and Binks are. Yeah, I mean, I, I never really read many of the Dark Horse comics. I, I read a few, so it's, like, it's kind of like I've got like 40 years worth of catching up to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of stuff out there from Dark Horse, but Tag and Banks was a definite direction towards um, humor 
and it's pretty successful. I'd say it's it's when I heard they were in the movie, I was kind of like, well, you could do it if you if you did it really. If you wrote it nicely, it could be done. So I'm I'm interested to see how they're incorporated into the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what's your what's your take on this whole Kathleen Kennedy thing? Because on like um, on the internet since since the retur- since the release of uh, the Jedi, the Last Jedi, right, um, and the the backlash from that, the, there's been several campaigns to dethrone her. Oh. Um, I, I mean, I don't know anything about the business insights of any company, but I, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy's to blame. I think what she's looking for is she's looking for, um, and kind of like George Lucas felt this way, he was looking for young talent who could go on and move the stories forward because she could just settle back and have them repeat and regurgitate the same type of story. We could have nothing but Skywalker family movies if she wanted. And there's enough of us who are fans will go and watch them forever if she did. But instead, she's trying to strike out into new territory. So I understand why she's hiring new writers, new directors, and new cast, which makes perfect sense. I mean, she gave Rian Johnson a chance on um, The Last Jedi. And granted, it had mixed reactions from the fans, but there's no denying it made a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And it was so successful. I mean, she basically gave him carte blanche to do a a whole new trilogy on his own. So we've got three more Star Wars movies coming out soon that take place on the other side of the galaxy. Um, I'm hoping out in the Outer Rim, where we have established characters and technology, uh, don't have, um, I should say, uh, established races and species and um, some words and language. But that's about it. He can create whatever he wants. So that's going to be... Even though I'm not a fan of Mr. Johnson's work so far, that's going to be interesting to see. Same thing with the two guys that she had hired, and I can't remember their names, to uh, write and direct this movie. She was going to give them a shot because what they've been doing so far was good. And like a good business owner, when she saw what they were producing and she asked them to make some changes and they didn't, she booted them. So, I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. I have a feeling it's going to be this way for a while. Um She's obviously in charge of a company that's producing more Star Wars um, entertainment properties through film and television than George Lucas was ever in control of. I mean, even when he was in control of um, Lucasfilm, they only did the original trilogy, the prequel trilogies, and had just started in on the cartoons. And then he left. I mean, she's been dealing with the conclusion of Rebels. She's got this new trilogy. She's got Rian Johnson's trilogy. She's got Rogue One. She's got Solo. And she's got the upcoming um, television series that's going to start production soon. Yeah, we've got a live action TV series and um, and and another animated series, which is supposedly going to start in the fall. Uh, right, there's not been very much uh, released about that. Yeah, and that looks to be. I mean, Rebels. Rebels did a really good job. I was kind of worried about that, but it it started well. It went off well. It went in some new directions. And um, things are set up for a new series, so I'm I'm very happy with that. So I'm hoping the new cartoon series is just as good as the previous ones. I'm hoping we get something that bridges a gap between between a new hope between between Return Jedi and the current. I'm hoping for that too. I don't think we're going to get that though until this uh, last part of. Um, the current trilogy finishes up. Once they're done with that, I think they're going to fill the gap. That's what I want to know. I want to see what was Han doing, what was Leia doing, what happened to the Rebellion, how did the First Order begin. 
That's pretty much the million dollar question for Star Wars fans. We mm -hmm. want to see all that and we're not getting it in um, comics or novels right now. So yeah, I'm, I'd be willing to pay big bucks for that information. Yeah. Well, so we want to know what Sonic Adventures Luke had before he went off the rails. Exactly. What happened with him founding this, um, this academy? Because um, I know he didn't do that right away. He had to wander for a while after, after killing his father, essentially. So I'm, I'm dying to see what happens with Luke. I mean, there's, there's a lot there to be told. Um, and I'm getting pretty bored with all the prequel stuff that takes place before A New Hope and just after A New Hope. That's, it's been told, let's let's do something new. Let's move forward. That's the way I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I mean, I, before New Hope, I'm looking forward to the, uh, I'm looking forward to the Han Solo thing, because you know, obviously he's a character that's, you know, that, that, um, that's kind of being like the Marmite character of Star Wars. Yeah. You know, fans either love or hate him. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's a bit like the prequel trilogy, even love or hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm willing to give it a shot, and I haven't hated the last two movies. It's just like I haven't haven't been fond of them. Is all. I don't hate them. Um, if anything, I'm glad they keep making them because that just means more opportunities for other Star Wars tales to be told in some format. So I'm I'm always hungry for more of that stuff. So if Last Jedi was to be on television tomorrow and you didn't have to pay for it and it was just on a movie, would you sit through it again? Or? Um, I, might, I mean, if I'm flipping around channels and I come upon it, I'll probably sit and watch um, any scene with Rey, Luke, or Kylo. But if I hit that Cantio Blight stuff where they're on the um, casino world, I'm out. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me. Or, or, or heaven forbid that that cheesy little ring that Rose had that she gives to the little, the broom boy at the end of the movie that demonstrates he has force abilities. I was like, no, I'm out. It's too, it's just too cheesy even for me. What, what got me about the, uh, the casino planet thing is they rescued all the horses, but they left all the stable boys. I just thought that's so in Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. And we saw the kids getting beaten, not the horses. <laughs> You know, that, that, that's just sort of like, uh, that just confused the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did a, um, a novel just before the movie came out for uh, some of the background aliens. And it was a pretty good novel. And I'm like, why weren't these the stories on Kanto Blight? Get them involved. Get Rose and Finn involved in some of the espionage there. Um, we might get in the last um, trilogy movie a uh, return of that um, character, um, J, uh, JD, see if he comes back. Just don't. That guy who had the, um, I can't think of the actor now, the stutter that he had when Benicio he spoke. Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it could have been an interesting character and he tried to do something with the with the vocals on him, but he wasn't written to do much of anything. Mm. What I found really funny is uh, when Benicio Del Toro was actually cast, there was all sorts of rumours that he might have been, um, oh God, the the name the name's gone, but I, I do know who it is. Rebels, the, the main guy oh, the, from Rebels, Ezra. 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 Yeah. Yeah, he could have been Ezra grown up, and I'm I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad that didn't happen. I, I I'm glad that didn't happen as well because I don't think Benicio Del, Del Toro could have pulled it off. No. <laughs> You know, I think I think he's a, a bit of an overrated actor, to be honest. 
I think he's pretty good. It's like anything. It depends on what he's given. Um, he definitely, I mean, he tries to come up with a different character every time he's in a movie, so I'll give him credit for that. But this one, I mean, outside of the um, the stutter, um, he didn't have much to, to offer in the film. Mm-hmm. Well, one, one of his very first appearances on film, uh, you have to go way back to the James Bond movie, Licensed to Kill. He played one of the henchmen yeah. in that. <laughs> yeah, and he was great in that one. Mm-hmm. Didn't he get cut up in the cocaine chopper in that one? I think he did, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't really have very much to say or do in it, but what he did do, he saw like he 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 was believable and and he had a presence on sta- on camera. Whenever he was on the camera, you looked at him. So I mean, he he's got it, whatever that it is, as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they call it the X Factor over here, but that's all like bringing back bad memories of really bad music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, Solo Star Wars Story, it comes out uh, here in the UK, I think, on May 21st. See, we get it May 25th, which is when the original Star Wars movie first came out in 1977. Do you know what I think they should do? I think they should actually bring it forward to the May 4th and and have it released on May 4th internationally across all territories. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do that, to be honest. You know, because May the Fourth be with you and all that. It's just oh yeah, <laughs> funny. It's it's made for that. Heck, everybody online they already have shopping set up for that on many sites for May the Fourth Day. So yeah, it would have been perfect if they'd done that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, are you hopeful for the star? Are you hopeful for the Star Wars film, the prequel, the the, the Han Solo one? Yeah, I am. I am hopeful. I do. I do want to like it. Um. Everything I'm seeing about it. I mean, after that last trailer, it really, really hyped me up for it. Um, I'm, I like the fact that when they do movie trailers, cause I see enough movie trailers that they're showing just the same clips over and over. They're not spoiling things by showing little clippets because I'm to the point where if I see a trailer enough, I'll go, okay, that's from the beginning of the movie. That's the end of the movie. That's, yep. that's in the middle. And we're not getting that in this. So I'm, I'm hoping it should be a law of cinema that you don't show anything from the last 45 minutes of the movie. You hold that back so people can be surprised. I, and it seems like they're doing that. I think what they should do is they should go back to what they did back in the seventies. They do do a quick, fast and dirty promo where you get you get something like a, a quick snippet from the film, a cue card, and um, and a very very short, uh, very very brief synopsis of it, like the original Star Wars teaser. Right. You know, where it's a song like because um, I think that's that because they. As you say, they, they, they show too much now. Yeah, and we, we haven't gotten that yet. I know in the Solo movie, the big climax of the film is this caper that all the criminals are going to take part in. And the only thing we've seen so far is all the criminals um, standing on top of this uh, train that's moving through a snowy landscape. Mm-hmm. And the train tilts at one point, Chewbacca, Chewbacca goes flying off, and Han grabs him by the arm to hold on to him to keep Chewie from going flying. And that's it we've seen from that sequence. And I hope that's all they show us from those scenes in that snowy environment. Because, like, I understand what the danger is. I understand what the um, what the the horrible outcomes can be. Just don't show me any more. Save it for the film. Yeah, I mean, I reckon that's probably from the middle of the film. I'm, I'm thinking it might be from the, from the end. Um, I'm thinking that the... Basically, Han's going to be in. Um, this is my guess for what the buildup for Solo is going to be. The way the, the story will play out, we see Han before the Empire. 
We see Han joining the Empire, uh, then meeting Chewie, leaving the Empire, um, hearing about how to make some money. So he goes to goes into a smuggler's lair, cantina. He meets Lando. Lando introduces him to some people, shows Han the Millennium Falcon. Han meets up with Woody Harrelson and the other characters. They go on a caper. The caper ends whatever way it does. And then Han wins uh, the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian. And they take off at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping the cape is much bigger than, than a train job. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure there's going to be backstabbing. I know that in the movie, in addition to this caper he's trying to do with these guys ripping off, they're also, um, Han has made some bad blood with some people on one planet, and the big bad guy of the movie is his name. It looks like it is pronounced Enfys Nest, and he's a pirate. He wears a costume. You don't see what he looks like. He's completely clothed, but he rides around on a swoop bike, and he um, has a gang of gang of basically they're basically a motorcycle gang. Cool. And they ride on like speeder bikes, and they're called swoop bikes, and they're from the novels as well. They've also been in the comics. And this guy looks like Pan pissed him off so badly that this guy is looking to track down Solo wherever he is and kill him. So as Han and Chewie are involved in this caper, they're being pursued by this gang of space pirates, essentially, who want Solo dead. Oh, that sounds cool. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to, to, to May 21st. Um, yeah. I'll be there in the afternoon, and obviously I'll write my review of it. Um, but I'm always a bit conscious, conscientious about not reviewing too much of the movie when I write reviews. So I always try to make my initial reviews of it spoil the free as possible. Yeah, and that's that's really tr- tough when writing a review. I mean, uh, yeah, when I write a movie, I try to give, like, the basic premise and uh, just hint at things I like. Same thing with comic books. When I write a comic book review, I don't go into specifics after the fourth page. Otherwise, I might be spoiling something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, and I do. I, I appreciate other sites where they don't spoil stuff. I mean, give us at least two weeks, then spoil it all you want. Yeah, because, you know, I noticed when I, when I seen The Last Jedi, um, I went online, all the YouTube channels and all the YouTube channels were giving away all the plot points, especially the big plot point of, of Snoke being killed and stuff like that. Right. You know, it was all out there. It was probably all yeah, out I there. Was, uh, I, was in, I was in line for the movie and I got a text from a friend and he goes, hey, did you know Luke dies? And I went, well, I do now. Thanks. I kind of figured he would. Before I went to see the movie, I figured he could die. Right. It was a 50-50 shot. I mean, I wasn't upset, but I was more like, well, you took that from me. But I didn't know about Snoke, at least. So at least that was something that was a surprise for me. Well, I, I think the way he did die, it was quite respectful to the character in the end. You know, and that's... I mean, I just loved that whole sequence where he's forced ghosting and fighting Kylo Ren at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that all those scenes are fantastic in the movie. I, I my hats off to those sequences. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and the final line before he goes, "See you around, kid." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you, you just know that he's going to be back in the next one. I hope he is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know though. Mark Hamill has been pretty vocal lately, saying how um how disappointed he is in the movie and he's upset and he kind of. He kind of regrets doing it. it. It seems almost like he's he's burning bridges on it, um, which is a shame. Uh, it's his point of view. He can he can obviously do whatever he wants. Um, 
Although I'm kind of like, you, you could come back for the J.J. Abrams one and J.J. could make it better, Mark. Just just keep quiet. Wait and see if J.J. gives you a call. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of think, you know, um, I think Mark Hamill wanted Luke to be more heroic. Like in, like yeah. in the, you know, the 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 the, um, the comics and, and, and things afterwards. And I can get that point of view because, you know, he, he's on the side of the fans at the end of the day. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I do admit that I do feel cheated as a fan that we never got to see Luke Skywalker do a major lightsaber battle like we got in the prequels. And those, you got to see Jedis flipping around all over the place. Even Yoda had more. Yoda fought better than Luke Skywalker did in an action sequence. And Mark never got to do those scenes, which was which is has got to be disappointing as an actor and as a fan. It is disappointing not to ever see Luke Skywalker fight as as masterfully and surprisingly as those other characters did in the prequels. Mm. I'll give you that. I, I, I'd like to see that too, even though I'm not a big Luke Skywalker fan. Yeah, um, but there there needed to be a moment where you just go, wow, he can fight. And in this one, it was, he didn't fight. He just, him and Kylo go running back and forth each other twice. And then you realize, oh, he's not really there. It's a force projection. Mm. You know what that reminded me of, though, the, the bit where he dodges, he, he, he bends over backwards and Kygo misses and that lightsaber, that sort of thing. It reminded me of that cheesy 80s film, Remo, Unarmed and Dangerous. Do you remember oh, what? yeah, Remo Williams, The Adventure <laughs> Begins. That's a fantastically, that's a fantastic movie. I love that. I, I, I love it, but it's, it's very, very cheesy, but it's cheesy oh, in yeah. a good way. But it just you know, when when he dodged the lightsaber blade, it reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, that didn't show him being a um, an aggressive fighter. It showed him being a defensive fighter. He could move out of the way, but when attacking somebody, we never got that. Which so that that was kind of disappointing. Mm. Yeah, I mean that, that that's when that's when it was kind of a giveaway that it was a hologram because the lightsaber missed him by that much, and he didn't even yeah. flinch. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, so, anything else you're looking forward to with, with regards to Star Wars that you'd like to see? Um, one thing I was I was surprised by, and I saw it online, and I didn't read too much. I didn't know there was another big droid in this solo movie that's coming out. The droid's name is um, L337, I think, and it's going to be something surprising. It's the first time we've had a female droid get some screen time, some major screen time. Mm -hmm. And she's, um, she's uh, Lando Calrissian's droid, but she has been making her own improvements on herself over time. So she has a, um, quite a, um, shall we say aggressive speaking style towards other characters. And she's the co-pilot on the millennium Falcon. Oh dear. (laughs) So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, she has a couple quick moments in the movie trailer so far but they're again they're holding that character back but it reminds me of the droid that they had in rogue one who um elicited more sympathy than the human characters in that film oh so i'm interested i'm interested to see what they do with this 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 character l3 looks to be very interesting the droid in rogue one was awesome yeah and that was oh yeah just um, everything that character did was fantastic fantastic but i still can't remember his name (laughs) no me too, and I'm supposed to be the Uber fan here who knows everything, and I'm like, I can't remember that that character's name. I think it was something gate. Or, or, I can't remember. You know, but I can't, can't remember. I'm blanking on it. I'll probably remember it if I watch the film again. 
and then yeah, further. And, and the design of that droid was fantastic, and they've been using um, other Imperial droids like that one in several in the comics. So I'm hoping to see that um, this L3 character shows up in the comics and novels as well, because that would be, I mean, let's face it, if Solo is successful, why couldn't you have a Lando Calrissian spin-off movie with Donald Glover? Yeah, uh, just so long as I don't do another spin-off comic. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I have all of that arc on my on my um, on my Comicsology account. The whole arc, I've only read two issues because I just couldn't drag myself to read the rest of it. it just yeah, uh, it, it yeah, I wasn't happy with that Lando series either. But that was more the art for me. I didn't like the art. There is a new Lando Calrissian miniseries coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably check that out. Anyway, um, I think that's you know, should, should we call it a day on Star Wars? Yeah, wait, let me let me call it a day for uh, for uh, Wookies out there. Okay, right. I did it. All right, chewing. Let's get you know, let's get the hang out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to so I um I was you know I I had several expletives lined up, but I just saw I thought I'm the audience. <laughs> Um, so that's about it. Um, we're looking forward to Star Wars in in May on May twenty first here in the UK, and I think it's twenty fifth in the US. Yep. As for the rest of Europe, um, we don't care. And um, <laughs> oh, jeez. As for Russia, we don't care either. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, if it if it ends up in Syria, I don't think there's going to be an audience for it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, unless they're chemically induced to watch Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but that's about it, all we have time for this week. Um, so we're going to go now before it gets any more awkward. Um, you can actually download episodes of the SFP Now podcast um, on Google Play now uh, by typing in Sci-Fi Pulse Radio as a search, and you'll find, find us on Google Play. Uh, but that's about all we have time for this week. Thanks for joining us, Pat. Thanks for having and me. And we'll, we'll be um, back at you again real soon. Bye.